0: Hey guys, thanks for tuning in. This is Everything Under the Sun, brought to you by the Youth Leadership at Door Church. We hope you enjoy it. Thanks for listening.
1: Hey, what's up, guys? It's Pastor Gabe with Phil and Eddie. This is the first AO Vision uh, video podcast, and so we're doing this. This is for Vision Kids, AO students. Um, so I was just at the store today, and we're doing this elder care thing, right? We're, we're trying to get supplies for, for older folks in the church who maybe can't get it on their own. Um, and I asked the guy at—the uh, store will be unnamed, but we'll call it Walmart. And he, he said, uh, you know, I said, when is your truck coming in? And, oh, it just came in. Um, and as soon as it came in, as soon as they got the toilet paper on the shelf, they sold out. Like just so from came in at ten, they sold out at ten thirty. So what what's happening here? What is this? What what's going on here, Eddie? Uh, social media. <laughs> I mean,
0: think about it. You you get one person that posts the um, Walmart aisle with it completely gone, and people lose their minds. I mean, then that brings the mentality of, oh crap, I need to go to the store. And then you have people taken off of work just to go to the store in the morning and wait in line for three hours at Costco. Um, My dad went this morning, he was at like 8.45 and the line wrapped around Costco. And they were allowing, I think maybe like 50 people in at a time, Wow.
1: just for toilet paper. So Phil, you got any insight on the toilet paper
2: apocalypse? (laughs) Uh, No, not really, (laughs) I mean, I don't know. I see people like stocking up on bottled water and I'm like, I mean, If you've traveled to any country in which like bottled water is actually a necessity, Mm -hmm. like you would understand that like if our water system breaks down, we've got some much bigger problems. Like (laughs) we can't (laughs) drink the water out of the faucet. Like we have an infrastructure problem that's a little bit bigger than just like going to Costco. Um, But in some ways it it highlights kind of that like human necessity, you know, like we fear the things that we don't have. Mm And so it puts us into like a state of frenzy and it can happen to us in any way. It's not just isolated to, you know, the coronavirus It happens to us in our daily lives. This is just escalated to a point where everyone's in a frenzy about one specific thing. Well, I think it
0: highlights the consumerism that we have here in America. I mean, it's it's kind of just showing the dark side of that. Because what happens when the new Yeezys drop? They're gone in like... (laughs)
1: A minute. So oh, the, the Yeezy COVID-19. Yeah. That's, uh, I didn't see that
0: coming. Kind of <laughs> well, it. I mean, it's true. You, you think about it. You want it because other people want it. That's that's the fact about it. They want to stock up their whole garage full of toilet paper because they want it so that nobody else can get it.
2: Yeah, but Yeezys are not blessed by Kanye. That's true. Yeah, so they actually have a little bit of anointing in each pair. That, so
3: that, that's that is good.
1: true. So mm. keeping up with the Joneses in 2020 <laughs> is a little bit different than past generations so COVID-19 um, obviously it's real right um, people are dead we talk about Italy Iran China um, we have people here in the US dying from this this virus now it's not the same as the 1918 uh, flu epidemic that or pandemic that broke out um, we haven't seen those numbers yet but unless you got a crystal ball no one really knows what's happening now I guess what we want to look at is precedent that has been set, like Christians have gone through epidemics before, right? We've been around for 2,000 years. We've gone through natural disasters. We've gone through persecution. So there is not only a baseline of our behavior, meaning we got to know how to act. How did other Christians deal with this stuff in the past? And is what we're going through, does it even compare to, to what other Christians have gone through Uh, let's say in the first century
2: I mean there's there's a lot of difference between what we're seeing now and then Um, so like epidemics then were like these completely like unknown like silent killers like people had no people were like bloodletting until like 150 years ago right when they saw something they were like oh let's just drain all the blood out of that person (laughs) like So we know so much more now about, like, what's going on, but also with that increased access to information becomes that, like, panic that we're seeing. Like, we knew about coronavirus two, two, three months ago. Wait, wait, so
1: you're saying diagnosing yourself on the internet's not exactly a good thing?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, everyone's a doctor after they've been on WebMD for a little bit. For sure. Yeah, but what, what, what I'm trying to say is that it's it's really, really difficult to compare because of the access of information. Also travel, like this, if this coronavirus would have been an outbreak in the early church, like it would have moved very slowly. Mm -hmm. Because like when Paul is traveling to all these different places, like it's a line in the scripture, but that was like months of his life.
1: That's a good point.
2: Like it was like a a single line in the scripture. He's like, yeah, he's on a ships, you know, like, you know, Tarsus. And it's like it's it's crazy to, for us to think of that it would take four months mm-hmm.
1: so paul would have had COVID 19 give it to everybody on the ship and they all wouldn't got they would have gotten better by the time they got to
2: exactly yeah. a
0: longer quarantine yeah, two weeks. yeah exactly <laughs>
2: so i mean things just move so quickly um that it's really difficult to it's really difficult to compare to like those early like those early plagues but I do know the church has seen these type of like situations where like it's under siege and people are panicked and a lot of times that's when people would step up you look at like in in, per- in persecution people like Stephen you know like everyone's railing against you and he's about to be killed and he's like you know what? I'm gonna step up and take a stand so these time these trying times are a good time for us to like Reevaluate our priorities. (laughs) Sometimes toilet paper is not the end of the world, you know. And sometimes fifty dollars, right? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Whoever (laughs) likes likes, subscribes subscribes the most gets that toilet paper right here. Click right
3: here. Yeah. So
2: I mean, you know, tragedy and you know, like turmoil, it always brings out the best in people. At least I think I I think so.
1: It's a pretty dark view. I I totally agree. Somebody once said in the last days, knowledge will increase, Mm WebMD, and men will run to and fro on the earth, right? Right. Like the days of Noah, who said that, uh, Jesus said that. So is COVID-19 kind of the the tip of the iceberg of what Jesus said 2,000 years ago? Like, hey, you guys are gonna know a lot, and you're gonna go everywhere, and guess what? It's gonna be just like it was right before the flood.
2: There's an interesting thing that I was thinking about today, when you look back at like God bringing judgment, a lot of times people would get together and they would plot evil things and you look at like the tower of babel Mm -hmm. where they were it was like the pinnacle of their technological like achievement you know (laughs) and they're plotting all these things and it is their it is their um is their plot that actually brings their own downfall you look at like human nature by we're sinful and we're selfish and all of these things they coalesce into us you know creating these things you know for comfort but they end up hurting we end up hurting ourselves and like so we know that there's a timeline for earth and for humanity the bible points it out very clearly and it's wrapped up in that human existence that like our acceleration of technology it's something that like it's something that's going to end up hurting us in the end
0: and, like, past, I, like, I mean, 100
2: years. Like, no, I mean, I don't I, I, don't th- I don't, I don't even, I don't, I don't think, I think that's part of the human existence is to kind of have an expiration date. Mm. And that's why God's saying, like, I came to seek and save those people because, like, I understand that sin is going to destroy. Well, let me, let me just rant for a
1: second if I can. <laughs> um, <laughs> Because I, I, (laughs) never you. (laughs) I think that what we've seen in at least uh, you know modern Christianity, I don't know. I can't speak for historical Christianity. It wasn't there, but we've almost like lost our value of the Book of Revelation. Like we have lost our value of the Apocalypse of John, Mm -hmm. to where we look at everything that's happening around us. Earthquakes in in diverse places, um, Magna Utah. we look at famines, which is uh, you know the earth acting crazy. We look at um, viruses and all these things that are happening, and we kind of look at it through the scope of, of what, what popular culture wants us to see it as, as opposed to seeing it through the pages of the book of Revelation, which the book of Revelation said, hey, this is all going Jesus even said in the gospels, when you see all these things come to pass, look up because your redemption draweth nigh. And we're forgetting that yeah we're forgetting that this is supposed to happen and actually everything is right on time and it's our cue to do something not you know we can't combat this stuff our cue is to do what you said is to is to seek and save the lost yeah. this is this is it's a call to action
0: well you're saying Phil earlier about you know hard times bring out the best in people I mean I think it goes both ways I think as Christians yeah. we're called to be that light in the dark and, you know, during those dark times, during these dark times, we're chosen to show people that, hey, like, there's, there's a God that can still save you. Like, and, there's, and there's a light at the end of the tunnel, which is, you know, going to heaven at the end of the day. So I think there there's that aspect of of bringing out the best in you, but a lot of times it can bring out the worst in people. I mean, you can see the lines at Costco like it can bring out the worst in people. <laughs> people, people fist fi- fighting fighting yeah. over toilet paper. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but that's where we're called to be different. We're called to be that light in the dark.
1: Have you? Did you ever, like. Five years ago, five months ago, if he said, hey, fist fight over toilet paper at the Costco, that's a punchline. That's something that's funny. Now it's like, oh, yeah, that was uh, last night's news. Oh, so, yeah. I
2: mean, maybe over dinner rolls at Thanksgiving. And <laughs> yeah, because that's, yeah. well, that's happened before. <laughs> Let me tell you yeah. a quick funny story.
1: <laughs> uh, four
0: or five years ago, it was Christmas time. We were having, like, a, what is that, white elephant gift party? Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there was a bunch of good presents, and there was just one box, and I couldn't help myself. I had to have the big box. I was yeah. just like, Yep, that's mine. Of course. Ended up being a big old bag of toilet paper. <laughs> then I was pissed. <laughs> and then Junior, uh, Ramon, he texts me the other day. He says, hey, uh, what about that uh, toilet paper you got from <laughs> that uh, white elephant? you still have it? Because I'm super down for it right now. <laughs> Well it's just the Lord works in mysterious ways. In mysterious ways.
1: It it's actually Doug Martin time.
0: that gave it, so
1: that shows you how <laughs> in tune with prophecy he is. He knew it. He, knew he it saw all of this did. coming. <laughs> hey, in just a second, we're going to have someone who um, did work in China, um, that started a, an underground church in China when all of this was going down. So um, we'll, we'll, I don't know. I just totally watched all that. Boom. All right, so we are here with uh, Corey Galindez, who did a lot of work in China. Can I say that? Yeah. China?
3: China.
1: Okay. <laughs> so you started a church, th- can I say you started a church there? I think you just did. Okay. <laughs> it was an English class. <laughs> you started an English class there, and you were there, <laughs> you and your wife and your two kids, if I could say that too, Yeah. Um, were there during like the outbreak of COVID-19. Can you yeah. walk us through that? Like what exactly? happened.
3: Well, when when everything first, first started, nobody really knew that it was starting Uh, because, you know, as we now know, there were doctors back in November that were trying to uh, really press this thing forward and really bring it to public attention. But they kept getting silenced by the government. So by the time we knew that something was going on in late December, it wasn't really worrisome because it's way up in Wuhan. And uh, then, all of a sudden, in mid-January, my wife was here in America visiting the kids. And in mid-January, I get an email from the Wuhan embassy saying, hey, if you want to get out of the country, we highly recommend you evacuate. And if you want to get out of the country, Tuesday's going to be the last C-130 out. Be on it. And I'm like, wow. oh, all right, that's cool. I've never been in a situation like this before. This is interesting. Did you
1: see anything on the ground? Did you see people actually sick, walking around with masks? I, did you see any of the same like street furniture that we see now on, on the nightly news or whatever?
3: Yeah, in fact, the entire city overnight went from normal, run-of-the-mill Chinese people to mask-wearing Chinese people to no Chinese people. Uh, and uh, I'll, I'll give you guys some pictures <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you guys some pictures uh, so that you can kind of toss them up. But uh, I've got some pictures of the main subway hub in Changsha on a holiday day. So you can see the millions of people that are normally in the subway. And then on the day right before we left the country. So when, when everything came down and uh, we started to really realize that this was a problem, they had shipped 11 hotels full of sick people from Wuhan into Changsha because the Wuhan hospitals were overflowing with sick and dying people. And uh, I thought, if this really goes sideways, what embassy is my embassy? Like, I, I, I've been there for three years. I don't even know what embassy I'm supposed to report to. So I go out of the internet, and I do a little Google foo. Oh, Wuhan is my embassy. And that plane left last Tuesday. Well, that, that's awful. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so when my wife gets back from, from uh, America, I met her in Hong Kong. and we She came back? Yeah, yeah. So, oh, so no. she, <laughs> she flies back from America. We meet her in Hong Kong. Story right? gets worse. <laughs> and, and so my daughter calls us while we're in Hong Kong. And while we're in Hong Kong, she says, hey, how are you going to get back in the country? Hong Kong just closed the border. So we literally had to hop the last train that day and cross a closing border to get back into China, which is a weird feeling when the whole world's trying to stay the heck out of China and we're trying to get back into China. And then it was less than seven days before we were literally on the last flight out of China to Taipei, Taiwan, and then from Taiwan to L.A. And that was on February 4th. So we've only been here a month or so. How were the people coping with the outbreak
1: or what did it, how did it affect daily life? Besides people disappearing from the street, but as far as like, you know, your interaction with people around you.
3: Well, first of all, everything closed. So there's this overwhelming cloud of anxiety and fear and panic, right? Everyone all of a sudden gains a distance from you. Uh, So now what used to be, hey, do you want to come to an English corner? becomes because there's nobody there and if they see you they cross the street to the other side and they walk on the other side there's just this overwhelming sense of of public distance because of the fear of the virus because how do you combat something you can't see you can't Mm. smell you can't taste It's a a faceless enemy, but it's everywhere. It's in every shadow, it's on every bottle, it's in every roll of toilet paper, you know. And so there's this mass panic that happened. And the first thing that we noticed was our church attendance started to dwindle. And then our English corner attendance started to dwindle and then our friends' attendance started to dwindle. And all of a sudden, everyone, see this coincided with a lunar new year. So everybody traveled to their hometowns Mm -hmm. and then they locked our city down under martial law so no one could come back. So it was a very weird moment to be there. The city was empty, Uh, a city of 15 million people, all of a sudden turned into a city of about hundred and fifty thousand people overnight and uh, so it was it was a very strange time to be in China do
1: you see what do you see as far as the difference in the response the Chinese government and the American government
3: is there any correlation is it totally different how does how what's the comparison polar opposite I read an article the other day that was talking about suing uh, our president because uh, his reaction was too late or too little too late one minute, bitte. Because Xi Jinping was silencing people from late June of last year, all the way up to when it leaked publicly, and he was finally forced to admit that there was a problem. The problem with the issue of Chinese face is that I can never be wrong.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Okay. So if you say something that shames me, right? You're a fool. You have made a foolish decision. I say. Absolutely not. I was taught to make this decision and I cast it on my teachers and they go the teacher says I never taught you to." Well, my parents taught me to make that decision and it's always pressed up the ladder of blame So the ladder of blame ends with Xi Jinping But all the way down that ladder is denial 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 hiding because you don't want to face the ultimate ladder of consequences, right on the other side so In China, this disease was allowed to grow and propagate like it was in a petri dish for give or take six months before it was addressed publicly. Then once it was addressed publicly, there were already thousands of people sick. Well, how do you combat you've already created a pandemic in your country and then you've allowed people to travel for the Lunar New Year because you don't want to lose the revenue of the travel so you force people to travel travel it's great it's easy fine and then once everyone moves then you lock all the cities down moving all the sick people to other locations and then locking them there so you've created a problem whereas our government has a few cases that are confirmed a few deaths that are confirmed from this disease, and we lock everything down. So if we want to talk about who did too little too late, I don't think that that blame would fall on our government's shoulders. We're doing everything that the Chinese did too late early. So I think that if anyone has a chance of flattening the curve, it's America's response right now. If we remain calm. So that brings me
1: to the, my next question. as far as far Christian youth here in this church, right? All right. How does... Go ahead. Um, I think we have more. Um, how does a Christian teenager, a Christian, <laughs> I mean, teenager, Christian young $30. person deal with this in light of the big picture? So we know about sitting home, watching Netflix, getting fat, you know, but how would you... What, what, what would your best advice be?
3: Oh, well, that's the easy part of the pandemic. Uh, the, the, uh, I think that this really is an opportunity to explore whole new ways to spread the gospel, Mm. okay? Because all of a sudden, right, in the last three days, I have met three backsliders from our personal congregation. Now, every single one of those people that I've run across just randomly, what do they ask me? How was China? Were you there when the thing happened? What was that like, right? And then what do they ask me? Do you think this is the end of the world, Mm. right? This is what's on people's minds. And I say, no, we're a long way from the end of the world, man. Have you considered coming back to church? And they go, well, is church still happening? I go, no, but you can download the app. And now, right, I don't know if you've ever backslidden. I don't know if you've ever backslidden, okay? But when you're backslidden, I backslid for nine years. I left the church. When I came back, stepping through those doors was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. There's so much judgment and perceived judgment that lives within the walls of the church. But now, all of a sudden, in the comfort of my own living room, with no judgment at all, I can tune into Pastor Warner, and because I have to, there is no church. This is the only way we're meeting. So now, with no judgment, With no fear, I can be presented with the gospel, presented with a decision, and I can make a decision without having to come to church to make that decision. Because you can make that decision anywhere. So I think that now, all of a sudden, outreach becomes different. Evangelism Mm -hmm. becomes different. Everything that we do becomes different because we can't do it the way we used to do it. This is forced innovation, and I think it's beautiful. So for the Christian kid that's here right now suffering through this pandemic, invite people over for a streaming party. Invite your friends over and stream a church service. Stream a concert. Listen to Christian music. Share these videos with your friends. Somebody's going to watch them.
1: So as they say, necessity is the mother of all learning. So you're saying,
0: you know, this is an opportunity for the youth of this church to be able to find new ways of outreaching. And I know I've had a couple people come up to me and go, man, does outreaching on the street even work anymore? Does street Mm -hmm. preaching even work anymore? I mean, a lot of times that is edifying for the person. I mean, preaching to cars... Is, usually doesn't work. I mean, you're, you're bullhorning, they're, you know, blowing past you. So the, the chances of you actually reaching somebody with a bullhorn, mm. not very likely, but it's the image and it is the bolstering of your faith mm. and, and, you know, gathering that confidence in Christ to be able to do that. I think that's the most important thing. But um, so now with this opportunity, not opportunity, but this, this unique situation where we can't go out to Second Street, as you know, the second Saturday outreach downtown and go and talk to people because it's not happening, it's been canceled, how do we adjust to that, you know? And so what are some ways that you could think of that? I mean, you said the streaming parties as well, but you know, even just on social media, what can be done? Because I mean, that's the main factor. People are pushing all this dark stuff,
3: dark stuff on social media, how do we bring in the light? All right, so the answer to that question is kind of nuanced. Uh, because I'd like to talk about two things Mm -hmm. number one I'd like to talk about street preaching and whether or not it's effective and number two I'd like to talk about what we can do now instead Mm -hmm. because street preaching can be very effective Mm -hmm. if it's done correctly okay street preaching is not just grabbing a bullhorn and blasting the cars as they come by right street preaching is not about necessarily the audience that's receiving the message but it's about proudly and boldly declaring your faith in public, right? Yeah. So that is a lost art. It's a very difficult thing for any young person to stand up in class and say, I know the answer to this question. And that's a relevant topic. Yeah. No one wants to hear about Jesus because, are you forcing your faith on me? <laughs> Right. I need a See, space right now. <laughs> so, right now. <laughs> so you know, the gospel should come with a trigger warning.
0: Yeah.
3: Because it's dangerous. And to loudly and proudly proclaim it, that's that's a a, a, a gift. Yeah. And to do it with love, is the ultimate gift, mm-hmm. right? So, that's the first thing that I'd like to say is that that street preaching can be very effective if it's done correctly. The second thing is how do we do it now? I couldn't street preach in China, for obvious reasons. Well <laughs> oh, you're doing an this, English class, right? This <laughs> is a magnet for trouble. <laughs> well, to be perfectly honest, this is a magnet for trouble in America yeah, too. But... <laughs> yeah, But to <laughs> don't matter what country. you but... <laughs> country does Borders don't no matter in this. <laughs> but when you're in China, you can't just boldly declare your faith. Mm. So what I would tell our congregants and what I would uh, uh, model to our congregation is the simple acts of love. Because love reaches through the cloud of of many an anxiety. Imagine a person teetering on the cusp of suicide. They just cannot deal with all of this stress anymore. And all of a sudden their phone buzzes and they pick it up and it says, Hey, bro, I love you. I'm praying for you. Wow. Imagine the power of that moment. That in this, their lowest moment, someone's praying for them. Imagine that. And these are the ways I outreached in China. Because it's simple and it's nothing to be able to just say, Hey, I'm praying for you right now. Wow! Is there anything I can pray specifically for? And you would be amazed at how many people will reach back to you and say, my parents are fighting right now, such and such is happening right now. Yeah. Hey, dude, I'm really dealing with these things right now. And all of a sudden, a link is is, is forged that won't be broken easily. But well, You're talking about broken people.
1: We're looking at society and how it's breaking down, oh. right? So we have a virus that is the... Well, 19th generation of the original one that we found, or something, however that works. Um, and it's literally breaking the world economy. It's literally yeah. breaking societal norms. Um, the gym's closed. I'm like, no. <laughs> Oh, I know. Heartbreaking. Yeah, the, the gym's closed, the toilet paper's gone. Um, you know, now I guess the new thing is the run on eggs. Everybody's buying eggs now. So Because they freeze well. Yeah. They freeze, okay. So I thought it was another deep conspiracy. But <laughs> what is it going to take for people to realize that not only is society isn't broken because society as a whole and the macro is broken, society is breaking because society in the micro is broken. Like nobody wants to take on that responsibility. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts
3: about that? In the human body, every cell performs a function on a molecular level, okay? Do you know what we call it when one cell rejects its calling does what it wants to do and only acts for its own benefit? Cancer. Cancer. What happens when cancer goes untreated? Death. Death. Ultimate death. What we have now is a systemic moral cancer in society. For many, many years, society has been fixated on doing what was best for the individual. Hmm. And the individual has been bent on doing what is best for themselves. Well, that cancer can only go so long until a little pressure, a little shaking, and at the fabric, the cancer spreads. And then all of a sudden now, we're in stage four moral cancer. Society's falling apart. Why? Because back here, we lost a moral mooring. And back here, we lost a more different moral mooring. And every single mooring that was lost has left us further adrift and see. The Bible says, do not remove the ancient landmarks that your forefathers said. Why? Because of reference points. Because when you lose your bearing, when you don't know where you are, you can turn around and go, oh, there's that landmark and that landmark, and that means I'm here. Because you can draw an X on a map.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: We don't have those landmarks anymore. All of them have been slowly chipped away. Now, we're adrift. We're scared. We're broken, we're alone, and everyone's reaching out for a solution. Jesus is the only solution. The fact is that Jesus stands like he's always stood on top of the waves, and he's doing what he has always done, which is reaching down to pull Peter out. Right? There are always two classes of people in the world. Well, three if you want to get specific. There are the people who are on the shore who don't know what's going on. They have no idea what's happening on the water. They got the people on the boat who are afraid. They're in the middle of the storm. They're the ones who can see the waves. They're the ones who look at the wind and they see the boat filling and they're panicking and they go, what in the world are we gonna do? And then you got the people who go, look man, I don't care what it's gonna cost me, I'm going to Jesus. And those are the three classes of people that you're always gonna have in, in the world. It's mm-hmm. good, very good. Sorry,
1: Glendis, I don't know how to end this part. Boom. All
0: right. Again. All,
1: right, <clears throat> All right. So, what do we do? What's the practical application? Like, we have a bunch of junior high, high school, college kids sitting at home doing probably absolutely nothing. Um, how do we redeem the time, mm. as the Bible says? Like, what what
3: are we supposed to be doing here? Mm. I think personally that there are two, two tracks we can take. You can take the simple, easy track, which is I'm just going to put my mind off of myself, off of my own stresses, off of my own troubles, and I'm going to put them on someone else, which means I'm going to commit myself to, to prayerful thought mm-hmm. and who can I minister to today? Okay. Yeah. Ask God to keep you up at night. Ask him to. Lay awake in bed going, why can I not go to sleep? God, who do you want me to pray for? And just start to pray for your friends that you haven't seen. And watch. When you hit the friend who had the most need, you will fall asleep. Then make a note. Because tomorrow, call them. Just call them. Okay? That's the easy way. They're probably not doing anything either. (laughs) They're not doing anything either. And then here's the other way. Right now. The youth of our congregation, the youth of this world, are so technologically baptized. They're not even bathed in technology. They are baptized in technology from birth. Not a little sprinkling, they are immersed. You are the most creative and innovative generation this world has ever seen. Let's build something great together. Like, comment, subscribe. Give us some comments about what we can do differently. Give us some comments about how we can reach more people. Yeah. Put your brains to work to help us be better. You guys are brilliant. Let's do something great together.
1: Let me, let me, let me talk to you about this. There's already precedent set, right, for the church yeah. in these times. 1850s, Charles Spurgeon is out there uh, in a cholera outbreak yeah. and he's in the middle of London and he said, basically, I've given my life to God. Why not do this, right? Um, first century church uh, women caring for the sick in, 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 in her pastor rights. He, they transferred their death onto her and she died with a smile. Mm. I mean, this is some crazy stuff. And so here we are. We're out of toilet paper. Oh, man, we have to <laughs> stay home from school. Like, what needs to be... Kind of our mental takeaway, Mm. our spiritual takeaway. Like, what frame of mind, what frame of soul do we need to be in to actually be productive? Because it's one thing to say it, right? But it's another thing to become it. Like, how do these 17, 18, 19, 20 year olds get into that headspace? I think I have the answer for
0: that one. So, the um, thing I'm thinking about is you have these two weeks maybe off, you have school, Mm -hmm. you know, but really think about what daily disciplines you have because hmm. it's not like you have to get to school i mean you're just, <laughs> you just and this is the thing you can get up at five thirty in the morning to go get toilet paper stand in line for the store to open but you can't seek god in that manner like you know wake up at seven thirty, wake up 8 wake up 30 minutes before you, you know you're used to or an hour and really just start to develop those daily disciplines i mean even in my own life i'm, I'm reflecting and saying man I'm having more time now. There's things that aren't distracting me. And, you know, I'm not saying that God brought this upon us so that we can do this. But what I am saying is that take the opportunity mm. and take that time to really develop what
3: what you need to. Uh, I think also when these guys were in the middle of these cholera outbreaks and... When Martin Luther was serving with his wife in these, you know, camps, these Black Death camps, it was an entirely different time as far as the medical system. Right. Meaning there was no medical system. Right. And any set of hands was a good set of hands. Right. We have liability, we have training, we have, uh, there are all kinds of other aspects, but our heart should be there. But it all starts with love. Right. It all starts with love because if I don't love my neighbor, I'm not going to go out of my way to help him change a tire. I'm just going to be like, well, that sucks. He's going to be late, right. okay? It's no big deal. But if I love my sister, when my sister's sick, I'll be there and I'll be helping her, right? So if we love our neighbor, and the Bible defines neighbor as anyone you come across who has a need. Now, that's a pretty broad definition and it encompasses essentially the whole world, right? Every person that you come across in your daily life is your neighbor. So if you love your neighbor, serve them.
1: Speaking Help of neighbors, I mean, everybody watching this, you have an elderly neighbor in your neighborhood. Yeah. You have somebody, mm. a grandparent, an aunt, or an uncle that needs a phone call. <coughs> There's a lot of practical ways to put this into practice. Yeah, absolutely. And in, in one thing that we say, we call someone who does something good, we call him a good Samaritan. Jesus mm. told that story. Because they were calling him a Samaritan. They were calling him, is it true that you're a Samaritan, you have a demon? You're a half-breed that's, that's fatherless, you know. Um, but so he tells a story about the Samaritan that saves this man from certain death. But, the, uh, you know, our best ticket to sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ is through service, mm. is through selfless service and being that good Samaritan, whereas you, you help somebody, in time of need, you give them an extra roll of toilet paper or whatever, you knock on their door, hey, are you doing okay? Well, a couple weeks from now, you're gonna be able to, to share the gospel with them a lot more easier than it would have if, you know, just cold turkey. So in this time, I believe, uh, you know, as we redeem this time, yeah. um, you know, uh, the, the sky is the limit. And I'll, we'll just end it with this. Bible says in Jeremiah 29 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans of peace and not for evil, To give you a future and a hope, right? So God is saying, even back in a time right before Babylonian captivity to the to the Jewish nation, hey, I don't have, uh, you know, this this crazy future for you. I have something good. Yeah. And even in this time, uh, can you speak to that? Even in this time, um, you're watching the news, you're seeing all this stuff on social. Know that. God said, hey, I got something better for
3: you And what God has always supersedes. God has really gripped me with, in this moment specifically, and how the church should behave with the correlation of the Old Testament Jews when they were in Babylon, okay? He gives them this incredible prophecy. He sends a prophet all the way from Israel to Babylon, and when he gets there, unrolls the scroll and reads, he says... Marry. Build farms. Harvest crops. Do well. Obey the laws. Live life. They thought the world was ending. They thought their whole society had been upended. And God's like, dude, get married. Have kids. Fine. Everything's going to be okay.
0: Hear that, get married. We yeah, get married. So, so, have
3: so, kids. So... Dude. Especially A.L. Come on, guys. So the idea is that you just live life, man, right? Yeah. I just went to get my hair cut the other day, and I walk into this barber shop, and this dude who's a rank sinner, man, he just starts to ask me all the, the, the standard barbershop questions. Where are you from? What do you do? So I start to talk to him about my time in China, right? At the end of the haircut, I reach into my wallet to pay the dude. He goes, "Nah." I go, "What are you talking about?" And he goes, "These are hard times, pastor. We got to take care of each other." And he gives me a hug and sends me on my way. Wow. And I thought, "I got convicted, man. I got convicted because when was the last time I stopped for a random dude I just met and and just took care of him?" Right. You know, But that's something we can do. That's something we can do every single day, at every single corner, in every single supermarket, in every single Circle K. We can find a random dude and help him. Even after the coronavirus. (laughs) Even after the coronavirus, yeah. Yeah, This is not coronavirus
1: specific. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. that, uh, That looks like it's actually gonna be our next episode. What do you do with what God did in you during coronavirus? And maybe Phil will be in that episode (laughs) as well. (laughs) We'll see. Yeah, not just in the back laughing. (laughs) There he
3: is.
1: (laughs) Hey, so thanks for being a part of the initial AO Vision video podcast. We'll see you guys next time.
0: Hey, thanks for listening. Let us know what you guys liked about the episode, what content you guys want to see or hear in the next one